I got my first job when I was 16 as a weekend museum guard or host at the Museum of Technology in Stockholm, Sweden. The job was basically to wander around in the museum and make sure no visitors touched any of the precious machines and objects that were on display. We were not allowed to sit down. We had to wander around. And through that job, I learned two important things. That technology is fascinating, even when it's old, and that it's important to always be on the move. To wander every now and then, finding new things and making progress. The VFX business is very much like that, actually. About technology and progress. But maybe not so much about wandering about, but rather about constantly evolving, getting better at your craft, keeping the passion alive. I didn't have any colleagues to talk to at the Museum of Technology. We were alone in our own parts of the museum and never met each other or spoke to each other. So it was actually a rather lonesome job. Can the job as VFX artist be lonesome too? Especially during pandemics when you're forced to work from home. How do you find ways to keep the team spirit alive? As the VFX industry gets back on its feet after this long, hard pandemic, the need for VFX artists is higher than ever. And at VFX schools around the world, VFX students are dreaming of a glorious career within VFX. We at Yellowbrick Road get questions from those students every now and then, and today we would like to answer some of those questions. So follow me down Yellowbrick Road and let's talk about how it is to work in the VFX industry. Hi everybody, I'm Nils Lagergren and this is Of Course Yellow Brick Road, our cozy little podcast where we discuss movies, games and visual effects. Today we're going to answer some questions and hopefully get a glimpse of how it is to work at VFX Studio in general and at Good Back Answers in particular. Here to help me paint that picture are two dear colleagues from Good Back Answers Studios in Stockholm, producer David Enbom and compositing artist Hanna Mülloja. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Nice to have you here. Hannah, you, you've been here at Yelby Grove before in episode 41, where we talked about the CG scenes that Goodbye Cancers created for the National Museum of Qatar. You've been working as a compositing artist at Goodbye Cancers for how many years now? I don't know. I had to check actually LinkedIn again because it's like time flies so fast, <laughs> but apparently six years, but it feels like it was yesterday I joined. It's crazy. <laughs> but you, David, uh, even though you've been at Goodbye Council Studios for many years as well, this is your first trip to Yellow Brick Road. And always when I get a first time guest, I ask the same question. How did you find your way into the wonderful world of VFX? What's your story? Right. How do we not make this a uh, very long story? Um, <laughs> I think for me, it's overall, it's all about digital creativity in a weird cocktail of things. And I think the spark that um, started it was the level editor of the PC game Duke Nukem 3D, if I'm entirely honest. Wow. <laughs> um, I was, as a kid, there, there weren't many things that I was passionate about outside of video games. And uh, my cousin showed me that game. I eventually persuaded my friend to get it for his computer and we would be playing it it's you know th that game as a character wouldn't have aged well it's um it's based on a lot of um uh cool uh one-liners from inspired mostly <laughs> by evil dead i think and some other action movies and comic books let's rock um, but we would be playing that game we would be picking it apart and eventually we found the level editor and that's when I probably started nagging my parents to actually get a computer. And um, yeah, there were other games at the time that were probably better. You know, uh, Quake was the, topping the charts and it was a full 3D game. Well, Duke was like a 2.5D sprite-based game in a 3D mm -hmm. world. But they did wonders with the limitations and we would be trying to figure out how, how did they do that thing. And we would try to, to mimic that, that to you know, do our own uh, 
shitty levels probably <laughs> <laughs> but eventually you know uh, my parents buckled and um, they they signed up for a down payment on a crappy old computer um, and uh, in my defense I had to give up my my ps1 at the time in order for them to actually <laughs> go for that but um, you know getting getting a computer um, kind of set me on the trajectory of, of digital creativity I guess mm. so then it was um, um, you know the level editor got me into led to uh, Photoshop and endless combinations of various um, plugins and and stuff and uh, we had a modem at the time this was like 94 or something and you would be surfing around different websites and trying to figure out how to do web design and learning about HTML and CSS and eventually like, whoa, there's GIFs and you know, <laughs> <laughs> figuring out painstakingly through a tutorial how to make, you know, like a light source move oh, and cut some faux uh, volumetric shadow or something. Wow, the land of make-believe. It just kind of like segued from that into video editors and eventually like 3D programs. I was more about like actually learning the software and you know when I saw those very primitive uh, retro CG images uh, which had basic geometries and mm -hmm. very basic rudimentary like reflections and materials and stuff I just knew I, ha I have to do that stuff so I would be trying to learn 3ds Max and like After Effects Premiere um, it's like you've doubled in probably every. You're listing all <laughs> software out yeah, there. Yeah, it's yeah. like what haven't you done? Is maybe the more sensible well, question. Well, the vintage software. <laughs> yeah, the vintage software. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a very like scattered scattered picture. But I think like yeah, I just had to you know, I want to learn more stuff. How do you do that? How do you do that? I'm very easily distracted in these things, and I would just be all over the place. Mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's not like you know. Some of our dear colleagues who are like, oh, I have to make, I have to be an animator. I have to be mm. making characters or whatever. I just, I just uh, wanted to get into that stuff. And uh, eventually after kind of like having, having it as a hobby, I would, I would study uh, and learn Maya and got into uh, like my first few gigs were at, um, I interned at the Chimney Pot which was called at that, at that, at mm. that time. Um, and then uh, my first job was at uh, Palladium, which was a pretty weird uh, co production company when you think back to it at that time. They went on to become uh, a more or less uh, film production company that yeah. made Jules um, Scott, for example, yeah. um, uh, renowned TV series. But at that time, we, we had everything in, in the same building. We did uh, broadcast design. We had an ad agency, we had a record company, we had sound studios. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to do a whole array of different things. Um, and after a few years there, I went on to freelancing and um, working on everything from commercials to simulations on, um, on um, uh, an animated feature film. And um, yeah. And at Good Vacances, you, you did those like projections for uh, the Opera House in Stockholm. Uh, right. Yeah. Basalt Projections uh, has been some of the projects I enjoyed yeah. the most. It's uh, very out of the box. Uh, so we did we did for the Royal uh, Opera in Stockholm when they had an opera based on Dracula. Mm. So we did Basalt um, Projections for that. And we also delivered... Um, content for the actual on stage uh, digital scenography yeah. mm. um, that's, that's funny it's, it's an unusual uh, trail that, that led you here in a way yeah I'm a bit all over the place I guess <laughs> <laughs> but when I thought back uh, I was thinking back to it the other the other day I think it either started with Duke Nukem 3D <laughs> or but it's funny at the time when I did um effects on on uh, the film beyond beyond uh, which um Danish company Copenhagen Bombay had a branch here in Stockholm at the time and I was telling my mom about it and 
she was like, well, I'm not surprised to hear that. You're simulating water and stuff. That's what you've always done as a kid, mm. <laughs> making marble runs and uh, little <laughs> dams in the ditch when it was raining or whatever. So I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. But, but did you go to, to any VFX school? I attended a vocational program called Digital Graphics at uh, a school called Nakademin here in oh, Stockholm. Yeah. And you, Hannah? You went to VFX school as well. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Campus I-12 down in Erkwa, Sweden. It was uh-huh. freaking great. It's like, uh, it's a shame it just closed down. But if you talk to yeah, anyone basically in the industry, it's like probably it's either an academy or Erkwa. Yeah. And or has taught at Erkwa, which is as well a thing. Like everyone knows what that is. Yeah. But luckily there are new schools Luckily. popping up. Um, but I mean, you've been there uh, where all these VFX students are, or indeed anyone who has started to think about going for a career in the VFX industry. Uh, all those thoughts about, I mean, having the desire to get into the business. Uh, and that's perfect, because today I have a bunch of questions from VFX students at two schools in Sweden, Visual Magic in Skellefteå and Center in Botkyrka, Stockholm. A student called Carl Wigberg studies at Center, and, and it was actually he who suggested uh, the idea of doing an episode about these things. So he and his classmates came up with plenty of great questions. So let's start with one, a rather basic one. What kinds of different careers can you pursue in the VFX business? Oh, that's a long list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's a long list. Um, I guess there's like the... Um, the kind of like asset creating disciplines is an easy place to start. We have the modeling department, Mm. which can be uh, divided up into, you know, characters, environments, props, and face. And then, so if I'm just now going geographically where people are sitting in the office, then it's it's, uh, looked at, which pretty much has the same distinctions with uh, the added bonus of... um, grooming of hair and fur Mm. which is another rabbit hole you can venture into and um what else is there uh rigging uh in the rigging department there's uh also face body and um and props and then the step isn't too far to the character effects department from there where we set up and simulate things like clothing for example Mm. Uh, let's not forget about the layout and match move departments Um, so now we're starting to get into the animation side of things but (laughs) let's not forget of course that you don't have to make everything by hand on the computer you can also uh, acquire data through scanning so we have Mm. body and face scanning and um, and uh so back to animation, keyframe, mocap. Someone face. is going to get upset they got forgotten. 100%. Yeah, can we can, can we nail everything here? Keyframe, mocap specialist, body anim, face anim, effects department. Uh, so fire and smoke and water and you know, um, technical animation like crowd systems. Hmm. Um, and I think now we've made it up to a- lighting where <laughs> scenes get assembled and beautifully lit and turned into pixels. And uh, the compers, of course. Of yeah. course. Uh, okay. where, where film plates and, and 3D merge into to one, among other things. And then, I mean, we're obviously glancing over a lot of things here. The art department, concept artists, storyboard artists, DMP artists. Um, working closely with the compers, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a talented um, creative team, of course, with mm-hmm. directors and, um, and, um, and... And producers, coordinators. Yeah, of course, the production also. departments. Um, Don't forget, we have the IT and we have Pipeline. <laughs> it, it's like yeah. so many things. For sure, everyone that makes... The company take, of course. Mm. So uh, the short answer would be that, that the career possibilities are endless. <laughs> they are, they are, and it's an ever-changing landscape. You know, who would yeah. who would have thought uh, time year, ten years ago that uh, uh, VFX studios would be adopting game engine technology mm. and uh, mm. hiring real-time artists? Uh, so we have that as well. Um, 
and there's uh, you know like getting into things like VFX supervision and there's a whole uh, trade around um, acquiring the right data from the movie set. Mm -hmm. So like um, LiDAR scanning and, and capturing of reference data. Mm. Um, kind of like on the border of, of film production there, but that's something that really has to take place for a VFX show. Yeah. And as well as like motion cap capture, you know, the ones who actually do that as well, like that's a different type of acting. I don't think anyone yeah, thought, thought at some point, like, yo, I'm, I'm in this suit <laughs> doing this thing and yeah. someone's going to create a D uh, CG double of me. No. You know, that's completely bonkers. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we but, have, um, I mean, we, uh, <clears throat> you can also kind of like branch it out into artists in TD roles. So mm -hmm. there would be mm -hmm. like in... Technical uh, directors. Yeah. A lot of the departments we have will kind of uh, be divided up into more artistic disciplines. And then as well, the more technical uh, artists um, in which can take place, I guess, in both lighting and, and, and rigging and um, effects and CFX. And, and, and I mean, even a department such as modeling uh, would have environment modeling artists that maybe are using more like generative approaches to creating mm -hmm. things rather than sculpting by hand and so on. So yeah, it's a, it's a long list. And, and note that we also distinguish ourselves with focusing on VFX, yeah. which leaves out a lot of pathways for, mm. for these students to take if, if they want to. You, Hannah, you're a compositing artist. Um, but was that your dream or idea already from the start or did you specialize later? I in? had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do. For me, 3D just seems, you know, it's, it's in such a raw stage where you don't see what it completely looks like yet. So it's like, okay, uh, lighting would be maybe the closest to what one could have done. But mm. to me, I like to see what it's going to look like. I hate the feeling of you're working with something gray shaded or you're seeing like with rigging, you, you're just doing something very technical and I'm not that type of person. Like I like seeing the you, you want to do the final touches. Exactly. I want it to look great. <laughs> I don't want to work on something which is like, okay, someone else is going to take my baby and do stuff to it. <laughs> I can't. Mm. <laughs> Only you that emerged to distill so specific a form from all that chaos. Next question, and I think this one fits you, David, well. Right. How do you become a VFX producer or VFX supervisor? And what's the difference between a VFX producer and a VFX supervisor? Uh, producers tend to have either a background of kind of transitioning into production, at least at our company. Um, if they, you know, we have a few dear colleagues who have maybe gone to a VFX school and ended up kind of like being the spider in the web for their final project or something and coordinating that and being curious about um, being a producer. But I think the most common thing is, is actually kind of taking another path and studying to become a, a producer. Mm. Um, I think definitely for, for more typical like film production companies or, or like advertising production, but even... Uh, VFX producers, I think, commonly uh, studies. But are the producers involved in creative decisions as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, the producer and the VFX supervisor needs to collaborate very closely, of course. Yeah. Um, and that's, I guess, the, the easiest way to distinguish um, between the producer and the supervisor. Supervisor will be the one ultimately responsible for making sure that we comprehend the, the director's vision and leading the VFX team and, and together with the leads and, and everyone kind of like picking the right approach for, for um, each uh, shot or effect that we need to create. While the producer is more kind of like on top of things like budgeting and the client relationship and, um, and um, crewing and and all of that mm. all of that jazz but uh, of course uh, we take creative decisions as well what's the most common background for a vfx supervisor comp or 3d or or something else or tricky question is there even any statistics on that <laughs> i don't <laughs> yeah. think so i was wondering as well i mean i haven't done you know the the classic like vfx crusade to canada or the uk so from my perspective here at gbk uh i think most of our soups come from like a uh, a background of 3d 
but it doesn't have to be that way for sure. Um, mm. It takes someone who has a really good artistic eye and understanding of, of the whole workflow from the creative pre-production to delivery pretty much. But so, I guess it helps if you have been like working in different disciplines earlier. Uh, I myself used to work in the TV business before uh, and, and started cooking coffee and running around like a runner and ended up as an executive producer. Uh, and it helped me a lot to have to know all these steps that I already mm. went through to, to do the, all the other disciplines. And I guess it's the same for VFX soup to like really know the craft of the people working percent, but it's like from beginning to start which is as well so tricky like you need to understand what happens on shoot as well and yeah, what you yeah. need from the shoot it, exactly. it's such a big bag of things you need to understand and comprehend yeah that uh yeah definitely the the craft not necessarily the tools down no. to the very core but they definitely need to have a good understanding for the craft and the challenges involved mm -hmm. with each department pretty much Hannah, you being a, a compositing artist, have you ever thought of trying the VFX supervisor? Plan? Of course I have thought about it. <laughs> I mean, like, doesn't everyone think about something like that? I thought about becoming a brain surgeon too, watch a couple of YouTube videos, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm never going to say no, maybe, but I highly, highly doubt it. <laughs> but w what's most sought after? Uh, at Good Cancers or indeed in the VFX business in general, uh, in general, yeah. is it like specialists or generalists? I would say um, at GBK, at, at Good Cancers, it's definitely specialists, the way we're kind of set up now. I think the bigger a company gets, even though we're small by international means, maybe, um, and the more you try to kind of work in a standard kind of like VFX workflow mm. i think it makes sense to have those kind of handovers where you work mainly like in in one department but i i think it's really up to the company you want to work at or more specifically what what they do um and possibly at, at smaller companies uh, generalists are more sought out i guess yeah i think so where where it doesn't make sense to kind of like set up a whole shop with different handovers um just for the sake of it if it is um if it's a if it's an environment where fewer people handle handle more tasks it makes sense to have um generalists i guess mm. hannah when you started uh, of course you did your internship mm. uh how was that <laughs> the internship how yeah. did that go Yeah. Well, you know, I did my internship at the old uh, Goodbye Kansas part Fido. <laughs> and I could say it went pretty well if I'm still here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I basically owe everything. Well, most of the things I know to the compositing team here yeah. at Goodbye Kansas. Like they're an incredible, you know, people. <laughs> when students apply for an internship or when artists are looking for jobs, they need a reel, obviously, to show what they can do. And Goodbye Kansas receives many reels, obviously, but, but what are you looking for when you watch a reel? What's important to think of when you put together a show reel, you think? Hmm. Well, I know, I know the things that start annoying you straight away is if it's a bad tempo of the wipes. Or too many wipes. You should look at other reels as reference to, you know, how it should look like and feel like. Mm. No one wants to watch a reel that lasts for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. We've had some strange ones come in uh, at some point where it's like, Jesus Christ, can we forward this somehow, <laughs> somehow and get going? So just look at other reels as reference uh, on, you know, the editing process, how it should be like. Mm. But otherwise, you know, uh, when it comes to showing comp skills, I think it's just show you have other stuff in your reel. If you're coming from a class which has a lot of same projects, showcase something else. Show mm. that you're doing your own projects on the side, for example, or that you can manage a nice projection cleanup, you know, the basics, for example. It, it doesn't need to be anything too fancy or showy of like a thousand, you know, dinosaurs in an explosive scene. No. Uh, you're not going to be doing that on the first day anyway. <laughs> But show that you have something else to offer other than your school projects is a great place to start from. 
So not too long. No, that, not that, definitely not too long. Uh, short and sweet, for yeah. sure. Make mm. it easy for the person watching. I mean, put your best work first. Um, as you said, don't make it too long. Mm. There's like the human attention span is what? Seven seconds? Or is it shorter these days? Is it three? <laughs> uh, so don't make like a 30-second animation of your name coming on screen. Just put put one frame of your name, phone, mail, URL, or whatever. Um, mm. And as you said, if if it's the same projects as everyone else in the class, then make sure you put a little lower third um, describing what was your responsibilities on the, yeah. on the project. And um, and I mean, make it easy to access and 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 get a hold of you as a follow up. So like the maximum security would be like a link with a password. Like we don't make mm. anyone download it. Or no. I mean, back in the days, we would get like VHS tapes and you know, in a pile. You know, like, <laughs> wow. How are we gonna how are we gonna do this? Um, so yeah, make it easy to watch and and make it short and sweet. I, I got another question from a student at uh, Accenture asking. What's the difference between a demo reel, a show reel, and a student reel? This is so funny because uh, I had to Google this. <laughs> I, I felt so sure. I was like, shouldn't we know that? Shouldn't I know this? But no, I actually Googled. <laughs> but did I don't you... think there is any difference. It's a tricky question. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, reel is a reel. what did you find out? Because uh, to me, it's just uh, different names for the same thing, really. It, Pretty much. Uh, maybe, well, I mean, since you are a student and you're applying for an internship, then maybe slapping the name student reel on it uh, helps the the recruiter to, you know, maybe not expect client work and mm. uh, assume that you are applying for an internship rather than a paid position. So, but yeah, no, other yeah. than that, I... Mm. And the answer Google gave me was it's pretty much one of these lift and elevator things. It's Americans call it one thing and the uh, UK people call it another. So that's that's what I found from Google. I don't know if it's right. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, when people want to get employment at a VFX studio or do her or his internship there, they apply through the website usually. In the Goodbye Kansas case, there's a career page on the website where you can fill in a form and submit your reel. Uh, how often do you two get involved at looking at these reels that come in? Mm, not on a daily basis. I think like HOD, like our heads of departments do that more. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I've I've spent some time at schools like teaching and and also uh, lending a helping hand here in like uh, academic relations and uh, talent acquisition. So I, but I mean, I would say um, to be honest, like uh, a couple of times a year at most. Mm. But no, I think there are other people in the company who do it more. Yeah, I definitely don't get involved other than get curious and go peek behind, you know. <laughs> Curiosity is Curiosity is like, what, who, who do we have? Like, what's happening? <laughs> We've also received a somewhat classic question, but, but also a very important one. What's it like to work in a VFX business? How, what, what does a normal day look like? Hannah? What, what, what's a normal day to you? Well, remember, we had just the pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that completely thing. changed things on how my normal day looks like. Now it's great. We get to work from home. Uh, we're trying a hybrid model. Now we're moving, moving mm. to a hybrid model. Uh, but normal day looks like get up, start with coffee. Always need to start with coffee. He's been down in the basement drinking coffee. Coffee, 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 coffee. Yeah. And uh, read through messages, see what I've published the previous evening to get a better handle of what do I need to do today. On uh, on my comps, check for new renders. Always check for new renders. Uh, update those and then just get to work. Then it's pretty much lunchtime. Time flies. Have lunch and work some more. <laughs> Send messages and workday's done pretty much <laughs> like i don't know what it is time flies for me when just working from home you, you kind of forget to take breaks yeah. as well which is maybe a bad thing it is a bad thing but uh but yeah then suddenly it's six o'clock and and you're like hang on wait wait no i need to shut down for today put on the last renders uh and then again rinse and repeat check the renders in the morning so that's my day and, and you david 
my day in production, I think it's it's more about um, making sure your products are on scope financially and crude and um, and uh, you know like working closely with the production team on the show and the supervisors and leads and uh, making sure information flows. So um, there's usually a little sink in the morning and then it's figuring out if anyone is sick, do we need a replacement? Is anyone new joining? Do we need to brief them? Has everyone gotten feedback? Do everyone know what they're working on? Um, take part in dailies if uh, if I have time um, and uh, hear the feedback and hear the, the flow of the show. Um, staying in touch with the client mm. uh, and helping the, the EP, helping the executive producer on the product um, manage the client relationship and making sure that they get to they get uh, their deliverables and and seeing the work in progress mm. and um, uh, receiving feedback and coordinating our response to that and uh, there's always uh, new products on the horizon so bidding pitching so it um, no day is the other like I would say <laughs> just the answer I was looking for <laughs> but your days Hannah looks sounds like that they're more the same from day to day or yeah it's pretty much the same routine if if the or once the project changes then it may be adjusts slightly but usually you know what you're getting into there isn't that much of figuring out you know who needs what and who do I need to talk to next you have your you have your shots you're working on, so you're very aware of what you should should be getting done for the day. And usually you should know as well what's expected of you for it that day. How important is passion like and challenges? Like, oh, you have to have that. There's no way. I don't think any of us would be in this industry if you wouldn't have any passion, right? Mm. Like you have to be slightly nuts. In, in a sense, <laughs> I don't want to be, be rude, but I think I think that's the case. Yeah, <laughs> like you I said, think, starting from that. <laughs> yeah, I think age. it's very passion driven for sure. There's a lot of geeks at our company. Yeah, in a good sense. <laughs> but but you get like happy if you get a shot that is extra tricky, so that you have to. Hmm, how shall I solve oh, this? Oh no, get out of here! Don't even get me started. <laughs> Maybe in some sense, yeah, but I kind of enjoy those things where you know it's going to be simple you know what you need to do instead of you know you need to keep crunching your brain all the time and thinking mm. how am i going to solve this how am i mm. going to solve this that gets very tiring and quite intensive so it's nice being able to alternate those easy shots versus very tricky ones because it it is really rough job to keep doing all the time i feel bad sometimes for our seniors because they usually end up with these tricky shots all yeah. the time <laughs> but then mm. for me it's nice to like okay give me that easy cleanup or or something can i help with anything <laughs> i can i can do that for a bit instead <laughs> but but then with, with the tricky shots it must be very satisfying when everything works out no yeah hell yeah done. like once it's out the door it's like oh go go baby go out in the world <laughs> please please don't come back with client <laughs> comments or anything else here we go Whee! So we're fine right <laughs> like fly fly i'm not flying he will there's this classic cliche that, that VFX artists are like factory workers, like, like dull halls with line after line of workstations where artists sit all day long doing the exact same thing over and over again and never get any breaks, never talk to each other because they're busy. A bit like a Roman galley slaves in an old Ben-Hur film. Where does that rumor come from? Are there places like that? Really good question. I don't know. I mean, I've been lucky to not be at a place like that. I, I think, I don't know, like the history all the way back to the early days of like the type of workflow that we have now and how that, how those rumors spawn. But I'm, I mean, in, in recent memory, events like the shutdown of uh, studios like Rhythm and Hughes, for example, mm -hmm. where it was tricky to, I guess, uh, balance the profitability and people had to lo work long hours um, without additional pay. I mean, it's a, it's a young industry in a sense. It's not very mature. We're not very organized or unionized. So it's mm -hmm. traditionally, I think, easy for employers to to get 
well, what am I getting into here? A lot of people that want to work in VFX and uh, with a young workforce that maybe aren't making um, as much demands mm. as in uh, other workplaces. You or... might not know your rights either when it comes to as, you know, employees, you're you're entering the workforce for the first times if you're coming straight out of school either. So it's hard to pull those lines, I think, as mm. well as, but that comes to like any industry when you're entering. Yeah, yeah, and maybe, uh, exactly. Uh, you're a kid in a candy store who finally gets to work on VFX and you'll be happy to do whatever it takes to, mm. to stay in there. And you aren't... Um, experienced in making that those kind of demands or asking for higher pay or overtime pay or um so i think there's i mean there's definitely progress in this area which yeah. is mm -hmm. uh, which is nice to hear and see um almost every week or so you hear about a new company animation studio somewhere that unionized or mm. um implemented overtime pay or mm. yeah what you might call it well the overtime pay is important uh, actually, yeah. one of the companies that, that merged into Goodbye Cancels, Fido, was one of the first ones in Sweden to, to start with that. Oh, before, wow. before I the, something new. Yeah, because before that, I mean, as you say, young artists just working around the hours because it's fun. But but that's not a healthy way to work. Yeah, I, I remember the, the first time I, I was at Fido, um, just the sense was that... The impression you got was that uh, nobody wanted you to work overtime. No. Mm. At all. And it is like that at Goodbye Kansas that you're not allowed to work overtime unless your supervisor tells you to. Isn't that so? And you need to request it as well. Yeah. Like it's not only that you get told, like you as an artist can flag that you, I feel like this is going to take more time. Is mm. it okay if I take that time to spend on this? You need to get it approved beforehand. Yeah. So it's not only that you get asked, it's more like you can yourself volunteer if if needed. Yeah, which is good because otherwise you'll just be polishing those pixels and, mm. you know, you want it to be perfect. But then maybe that's not what we're going for in this case. Mm. So mm. it needs to be a conscious decision, conscious decision for mm. sure. I mean, uh, you mentioned the pandemic, Hannah. Uh, yeah. When the pandemic struck, all film TV productions were either cancelled or, or postponed. But now the situation looks much brighter. Uh, people are talking about a VFX boom and the demand for VFX artists uh, is bigger than ever. So VFX artists today can more or less pick and choose. And the company culture is obviously more important than ever. The, the, we, we talked about this work mm. uh, balance and stuff like that but what do you think defines a good company culture oh, yeah that's a good question as well but i think what defines a good company culture is actually the people like who's working for the company it's mm. the people the company itself it it's just this big big of a beast or like a word but it, it is your colleagues who are there who are creating it and and you know we have a front desk, for for example, who's always super great at organizing stuff and bringing these people together, like mm. your colleagues together, giving a space for them to do that. I think uh, that's my answer for, for the company culture part. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, trying to maintain a healthy work-life balance above all, um, having an inclusive, open environment. Um, Otherwise, I agree with what you said, mm. I think. Yeah, because it's kind of tricky because, you know, the VFX industry is like different ages of people, really young, coming out of school, you know, mm. new people. And then not only that, it's like people from different cultures. Like, I'm not Swedish, I'm Finnish. And then we have other people from all over the world who are joining us. So it is a mixed, you know, bag and you need to get along with everyone. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing, too. And that that builds us, I think, in a sense. <laughs> I mean, during the pandemic, most of the Goodbye Cancer staff worked from home, uh, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And yeah. how did that affect uh, that open atmosphere that you describe, uh, inclusive atmosphere and everything, and like talking to each other? It must have been harder to when you can't small talk at the coffee machine or when, when your coffee machine is at home. <laughs> did, did you ever feel like lonely? No, or? absolutely. And I, and I mean... I had ways to cope with it as well, you know, uh, 
I wasn't living alone either. So that's great. You have always someone to talk to. Um, but otherwise, like we'd be talking on, you know, Hangouts or having those daily meetings uh, in Google Meets where you could actually physically see people turning mm. on the camera. And we had some project project where our producer was <laughs> having a filter Friday, you know, creating events on Google Meet. So that mm. was like really great. But I can really just say that, you know, logging in every day and just talking physically to someone yeah. it really, really helped. Like, I don't think I could have managed otherwise because yeah. it is a really isolating experience. And I know we have some people who have been coming into the office who aren't living with anyone just so they can have that connection to someone. I mean, two years is a really long time to be locked in by yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was awkward in the beginning. And for many, I think it it took a lot of, um, for many, I think you kind of like um, step aside from your prestige and kind of like show your face on the webcam and kind of, it was, that's a, yeah, it was just a bit awkward and everyone started getting into, um, you know, being able to feel natural in, in hanging out virtually and, and maybe mm. even though it sounds so cringy, you know, mm-hmm. like having a coffee uh, yeah. over <laughs> over hangouts or having an after work uh, via Zoom or whatever. Yeah, that was <laughs> great. <laughs> but that actually works quite well. I'm yeah. sorry, that too. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it takes another form. And, yeah. um, but I mean, for me, it was really challenging uh, initially. I, I think I... I think I thought that I would like it more than I did. Mm. Um, it's also kind of like a work environment thing where it's um, tricky to maybe, it's easy to just get stuck at the computer. Uh, even if you've mm. signed out from work, you, um, you're you surfing the web or whatever, mm. or watching a show or playing a game or something. So you kind of get a lot more, it's, it's hard to stay as active as you naturally do when you're commuting to the office. And it's mm. hard to get that natural feeling that you've left work and now you're at home. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you, That's I think work everyone, life balance is yeah. harder that way. So I think everyone had to find little tricks and quirks mm. to, to make their day tick. But, but because, I mean, creativity is, is such a key thing with jobs like yours. Um, is also the environment of an office could that be inspiring for creativity, like how it's designed and, and just just not the people, but, but like... 100%. I think this brings back to your, you know, feeling like a factory question yeah. is if you don't have a space that feels creative and, and you can excel in it and or adjust the space to what you want it to be, you don't want to be working in a call center, looking no. at open office, like that doesn't work. At least for me personally, that's why I kind of enjoyed working from home because I can blast my speakers as much as I want to <laughs> without anyone yeah. complaining at the end of the hallway, like, oh, your bass is vibrating down here. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> All right, I need to turn it down. Fine. You know, we've had that discussion many times. So I apologize. <laughs> but no, it's like the space is really, really important, I think. I think we're lucky to have such a beautifully newly constructed office with huge windows and mm. uh, very well designed spaces. But even so, um, the beauty of working in this industry is so many creative people. So mm. even if you have, you know, like a rented uh, space that initially looks like a dentist reception, yeah. then it kind of tends to transform into something creative. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the offices uh, at Gubbe Cancer in Stockholm has transformed a lot <laughs> since we moved in. I mean, especially your department, Hannah, is like all these like hat walls and, and yeah, strange things. I and... think I'm starting to feel the pressure, though, because lighting and I can say like Erica, they're they're really ramping up their their competition when it comes to yeah, like, like decorating the office. What do they call it? Like the look, the living room? Or yeah, something, something like, like that. Lounge area. <laughs> Completely bonkers i need to start cooking up a master plan how to how to beat this i think there's going to be some competition going on to when it comes to creating a creative space <laughs> yeah well, that's what i meant i mean it's great that you know even if everything was really nice and well designed you you know you you go into this little room where there's um, a bed that you can rest if you're have a headache or feeling tired and there's someone made a little shrine in there or you know in mm. another area there's these tassels and hula drapes or whatever <laughs> uh, even in the executive producers can we corner, mention there's them? like um, 
there's light uh, light strips uh, or light bulbs mm. hanging in the. I thought we were gonna mention ceiling. the tiki bar <laughs> that somehow <laughs> appeared in that corner. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice. I think we, the production department, we've been. Uh, the worst that kind of like personal personalizing our space. Uh, I maybe we don't take the time or have the time. Uh, so it's really nice that um, Tomah and Rebecca, two of our colleagues, went some evening somewhere with a car to buy a used tiki bar from someone. <laughs> which now <laughs> tiki resides, bar is never wrong. <laughs> which now resides in the production area, which is really nice. I still haven't seen it though. I think I need to go around today come and by. take a peek. Yeah, come on by. Yeah, but because now things are getting back to normal and Goodbye Kansas, as well as many other studios and companies, are going for a hybrid work model, as you mentioned, Hannah, uh, meaning that staff can choose to work from home or at the office. But but I'm wondering, what are the pros and cons of working home versus working at the office? Well, I think you mentioned already some. It was definitely the moving part for me. I'm yeah. such a lazy person. It's mm. so hard for me to just get active and physically moving. I'm feeling my back is <laughs> locking up from just being inside all the time. Mm. So I think this commuting to work <clears throat> and having to walk to the public transport for me is is the, the top one thing. Yeah, walking to public transport, walking to get lunch or whatever. Mm. Um yeah, and hang out in the tiki bar. <laughs> hang out, hanging out in the tiki bar for sure. And another factor I, I realized, you know, some days, at least for me, tend to be very meeting heavy. Mm. And when you've been at home, you just okay. I turn this window down and open the next one and go into the next meeting, mm. which takes you know two seconds. And mm. now all of a sudden, I have to walk to a meeting room and maybe mm. be a few minutes early to log into the computer and make sure the screen and camera is working and everything. Mm. So. It's nice to be able to, um, you know, adapt based on yeah. what your day uh, is looking like. Um, definitely, if you are stressed out and have very overseeable tasks that you're um, stressed out about, maybe you want to be at home and just totally mm. focus and uh, zone in on those. Mm. Um, one aspect I think, um, which was unanticipated, was that, you know. You have these kind of like daily little things you want to ask someone about. Hey, do you know about this form or this website or mm. this uh, this file? How do I open that? And you feel like you're kind of like actively disturbing someone when you don't see them in front of you. Yeah. So you're like, should I send this person a rocket message or can I look in there, send them a chat message or mm. should I look mm. in there? calendar if they have time now they're in a meeting while you're in the office you see someone sitting there and you see them kind of like between windows or between meetings or just getting a cup of coffee and you can go hey do you know about this thing mm. and all of a sudden all of that pressure is relieved and mm. um yeah day-to-day yeah, -day, little catch-ups really helps to to fill in the gaps i think yeah like I noticed now coming back to the office, I totally miss the social aspect as well. Mm. Like you said, it's it's crazy. I feel like I'm catching up for two years worth mm. now as soon as coming back. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Friday as well to see what's going to happen on Friday. Work. Yeah, the first after work in a really long time. <laughs> Will there be karaoke? Oh, yeah, someone said there would be. So, of course, I'm going to probably be rocking that karaoke room until the end of night or morning. I don't know. I'm kind of scared, to be honest. It's probably going to be very disastrous very fast. <laughs> Won't have a voice next week. <laughs> so, last but not least, uh, do you have any advice, general advice, for these VFX students out there wanting to come into the industry? I have one. It's like we talked about it earlier. Like, oh, when should you choose your path? Yeah. It's like you don't, in the end, really, even though you choose something, you can always change it. We talked about all the possibilities you could do. Even yeah. if you choose 3D or comp, you can still become, you know, a producer or a coordinator or transition in and out of 3D into comp. It's everything is so fluid and there's always something new popping up that we don't even know today that might be a job tomorrow. So there's no risk if, if you choose the wrong direction, then suddenly someone says, you choose poorly and then suddenly you age and die. You chose poorly. Yeah, no, like that do luckily that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. So it's like we have so many people who have done one thing and end up doing another 
or have learned one program and then suddenly that doesn't exist anymore. And now you need to figure out a complete, completely new software mm-hmm. because that's the thing. Like that's going to happen. So don't be afraid that you're going to choose wrong because it, in my mind that you haven't chosen wrong. You just chose VFX and that's a whole big family of so many different things. Yeah, there's so many rabbit holes to explore. Um, and I mean, it's mostly kind of like you're shining your light of focus in this area for a while and then you can look somewhere else. Um, if it's one if it's one advice I would I would give is to apply oneself when you have the time. Mm. Uh, those years in school um, is those years in school is really good for figuring out kind of like not necessarily what you want to do for the rest of your career, but trying out as much things as possible. Mm. And while you might have assignments or whatever to hand in, then sure, by all means do those, but afterwards and make your own projects and explore into other things because time is precious and um, the life advice, I guess, the older older you get, the less time you have, obviously. (laughs) And once once you're out there in the industry, like Hannah said, there's of course, uh, the ability to course correct, but mm. the more you can figure out the sooner, the better equipped you'll be to to make that choice, I guess. Mm. You also want to keep in mind that the industry is really small. Your, your classmates are your future colleagues too. So yeah. uh, you need to keep that in mind, not to mention your teachers. You'll probably bump into them at some point as well. Like mentioned earlier, we have a bunch of, you know, compers and 3D artists and you as well who have been teaching at these schools. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> treat yeah. treat everyone with respect and, and just keep that in mind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a social work environment and though, even though it doesn't seem like it, uh, it's a team effort. So you're not doing things by yourself. You have to be able to interact with others and Mm. um, get stuff done together Mm. and be, you know, don't have too much prestige or... No, exactly. Because people keep moving in and out of different companies as well. It's really nice seeing when, you know, new people join Goodbye Kansas and suddenly someone realizes that they worked with them 20 years ago at some (laughs) office in Vancouver. And you're like, hang on, wait, how do you know this guy? There's no way. And then you hear crazy (laughs) stories on what they did back in the day. So that happens a lot in this industry, I can tell you. Like a big happy family. Basically, yes. (laughs) Thanks a lot for for coming and uh, here and sharing your thoughts and memories and advices always a pleasure thank you thanks for having us and once again thanks to you vfx students that sent us your questions much appreciated uh, feel free to reach out at any time if you have other questions or suggestions of things you would like us to talk about here at yellowbrick road you reach us at podcast at goodbyekansas.com until next time goodbye i'm Bianto. Auf Wiederhören, wie hoch.